I applaud people that foster, but there are also a lot of people that do it just for the money from the state. And oh, yeah. that's very upsetting. There's a, there's a webcomic from years and years and years ago, um, a sort of uh, illustration where it shows a LGBT couple crying over a rejection letter um, from an adoption agency. And in the next tile over, it shows just, I hate to say white trash, but, you know, if the shoe fits. Shoe fits. Um, <laughs> like, jinx. Pinch you uh, me a coat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, it shows this house full of dirty kids. Fully dirty kids. They're not being taken care of. They're not being well-fed. Running around with an angry mother who's beating one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, there's an acceptance letter on her table. And it's like, you know, there's so much bullshit about like, oh, LGBT parents and oh, really any like parents that don't fit the mold or whatever. It's like, put kids where they will do the best. Yeah, like, where they will be loved and cared for. Right. Like, if, if you actually care about kids, care about kids hello 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 and welcome to better left unsaid welcome to better left unsaid today i have a very very special guest from our friendly neighborhood uh well friendly i sort of in the neighborhood i guess ish in the like four hours grade. apart yeah you know in terms of podcast neighborhoods i feel like texas podcasts are all in the same neighborhood and in texas four hours is nothing right it's normal it's an that's afternoon to, drive <laughs> that's a day to work yeah. <laughs> um hi amanda hi amanda is me. you're welcome uh, Amanda is from the Sip List podcast, which I have been on. If y'all have not watched that episode, there will be a link in the bio um, because it was, it, it was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. Um, hey, that's why you're here. <laughs> yes. Yay. Um, I got lots of good feedback on both of our, our regular episode and our little mini episode. So nice. Actually, the mini episode has had more listens. Could be because it's it really? 28 minutes or because... We had good shit to say, but either way. We had a lot of good shit to say. We really did. I mean, this podcast... You might podcast... be my new best friend. Aww. Yay. Podcast buddies. Yay! Um, I mean, this podcast is going to be a bitch and a half to edit just because of how much we've talked Sorry. before the actual start of the podcast. That is A-OK. That is good conversations. I live for it. I'm here for it. Yeah. And so there we go. Um, But... To start off Better Left Unsaid, as we always do, do you have an embarrassing story for us? Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. I have a few. Um, Can I tell two short ones? By all means. Okay. So my first one is probably like my very first memory of something embarrassing. And it all is has to do with like, you know, young love. Um, I think I was in sixth grade. I had my first real, real crush. And I just was like obsessed with this boy. We would walk home from school together. We lived close to each other, but he 
I don't think was ever interested in me, but I just couldn't get enough. Right. And so we had on the last day of school. Yes, this is sixth grade. I'm going back. We had a class party and, um, you know, there's a table with like snacks that the parents have brought, whatever. And his name was Robbie. And I was like, hey, Robbie, can I pour you a glass of Coke? And he was like, okay. Because 12 year old me thought that I should be pouring this boy soda. Dumb bitch. Anyway. So I go to open the the two liter of Coke and it exploded everywhere, all over my face, all over my clothes. Oh no. Like just, and I just stood there and I was like, I was kind of like Carrie at the prom where my hands were just up and I was just like, what is happening to me right now? Yeah. Fully like, okay, who do I have to murder first? Shaking this bottle of Coke. Like, like somebody clearly did that on purpose to sabotage me. (laughs) <laughs> probably some girl that was prettier than me oh man he was a good sport about it but that was still just like it, you know how when you get embarrassed and your whole body gets hot and you feel like you're oh, gonna yeah. explode from the inside out that's how i felt that so, yeah 100 reminds me of first grade 100th oh. day of school because there was always like a weird celebration about the 100th day of school and for whatever reason, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't think I was thinking. We were all eating Fruit Loops, because uh, whatever. Um, I think we we're making little Fruit Loop necklaces or something. And I went. I was told by the teacher to go wash my hands, so I went to sort of. There was like this little alcove on the side of the class with like a little sink and things like that. So I went to go wash my hands, and. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I put the soap in my hair. <laughs> you need hair gel? I have Is this no like a clue. something about Mary? I literally, <laughs> I literally started washing my hair and then I like mid hands in my hair with, with hand soap. I like look at my hands and I'm like, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> I was like, what did I do? I like walked out from behind this little wall and I like looked at the teacher and I was like I put it in my hair <laughs> and she was like she was like the fuck <laughs> like, next to you was probably eating glue why did she care <laughs> right you should know I, this is the new style what's what's funny is I've almost done that once again in my life as an adult I was um very inebriated well, now I have though, questions. so I was, I was, I was some sort of not, um, sober. So, okay. I don't know about me as a first grader. Um, I think I was high on, oh, I was high on life. Yeah. I mean, those were the fucking days, right? Like you got to color all day, do a little math and go home and watch cartoons. Back before they started teaching kids in like kindergarten, first grade. Yeah. So like color in the lines. That's all yeah. you had to do. Spell color in the, the word lines. The. Okay, you get an A. Go home. Count to one hundred. <laughs> what is your second embarrassing story? Um. Okay, so this is one that my husband makes fun of me for endlessly, and will until he'll tell this story on my deathbed. We were now. I'm going to say in my defense. I feel like this is a mistake anybody could have made, but sometimes I'm a naive person and don't understand uh, things. Um, 
anyway, we're at the airport. And so we see some guys walking by and they're in like all black and they have these little black hats on and like long beards and, and whatever. Oh. And I just kind of glanced up and I was like, oh, and I looked at my husband and I was like, why are there Amish people in the airport? <laughs> you're laughing at me <laughs> he, was, he goes those are rabbis those are Amish people what's wrong with you <laughs> okay the real question is did they have the curls yes oh, <laughs> I think I think one of them did have the uh, I didn't I, I don't I, where am I ever going to see a rabbi? I'm not Jewish. Like, I don't know. <laughs> right. I So, and he, every <laughs> time we see anybody that might even remotely look Amish or Jewish or with any kind of like, he's like, oh, hey, look, there's some, there's some Amish people. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's funny. Um, He makes fun of me a lot. There was, sorry, one other quick one. I am not <laughs> from the country. I am from the city. I am a city mm-hmm. girl. Um, he grew up in the country. Uh, grain mills are apparently a thing that people know what they are. Yeah. I grew up in the city. We don't have grain mills in Oklahoma City. Sorry, that's just not a thing. So when I went to visit his hometown for the first time, it was dark. Okay, it was dark. I'm, I'm stressing. It was dark. <laughs> And I see this, like, you know, silhouette outlined, whatever, with lights and whatever. And I'm like, you guys have a prison here? (laughs) And he's like, that's a grain mill. (laughs) I don't know why I thought it was a prison. It looked like a a Shawshank wall. Right. I'm a moron. It's okay. I mean, if you've ever been to Huntsville, we'll want to talk about prisons. (laughs) Uh I just... I just love for the, if you're ever driving through Huntsville, I don't know if you ever have, like if you're going down to Houston from Dallas and you're taking yeah, 45, have. like you pass Texas State Penitentiary mm-hmm. um, and literally- Watch out for hitchhikers that might be yes, 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 <laughs> fully, fully the road signs that say don't pitch, yes. pick up hitchhikers. Um, I live for those road signs. <laughs> um What's funny is I was talking to my partner today because we were talking about people who a lot of times work at universities, some of the like janitorial staff or uh, um, cafeteria staff, food service staff, especially. Um, I had learned while I was in my undergrad that many of them are on probation. Like they're, they are, it is part of their probation to actually work for the university because it's you know, cheap labor right. because, you know, jail systems are slavery, just different. Um, well, you know, that's a, yeah, that's a topic I, I for another day. I have mixed feelings, but yeah, okay. Right. Um, and uh, he was like, because he went to Sam Houston, he was like, um, do you think Sam Houston is the same? Sam Houston is in Huntsville. And I was like, right. Yes. Yes. If anything, <laughs> Sam Houston is so much worse. Oh, you know, I, I am a person who is very, very socially active. I'm very much mm-hmm. for 
justice of all the things like right i don't feel like i am incorrect in saying that i'm a very good person i have a good heart and i i want everybody to have equal opportunities happiness blah 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 blah. but sometimes like oh okay (laughs) so my one of my boyfriends in college he had two roommates and um one of them was a black man he worked at the local news station he was like a a video videographer whatever Mm -hmm. and one day we're all sitting in their living room and i think i was like 20 so i was really young either way it doesn't matter because i know where my heart was but uh and he was messing with me by the way i'm prefacing this but yeah i was eating some chips and i was like hey do you want a chip and he's like no thanks and i was like but they're barbecue and he was like Oh, because I'm black, I have to want barbecue chips. And I was like, what? I legit <laughs> did not know that was a stereotype when I was 20. Like, it, honestly, it was me going, they're barbecue chips. Everybody likes barbecue chips. I mean, and granted, uh, he was yeah. messing with me. He wasn't really mad. He, but those are the kind of things I do because sometimes I'm like, like legit in my heart, I was like, everybody likes barbecue chips, right? Why would you not want one? Right. I, yeah, that's, that's funny. (laughs) And so it gets hard sometimes, especially for people like me, because I, I try to be really aware of stuff, but also sometimes my heart is so pure that I I don't see how I'm saying something that could be perceived in the wrong way like that. Right. Like, I didn't mean it like that. I swear. I even know black people like barbecue. (laughs) I think that's like, I think that's like the thing though, is it, first off, never something that you should be ashamed of being literally just a good person, like baseline good person. Second, so you need to know, like, but, but that's the thing you need to learn. Yeah. The, the idea that people automatically know things, especially when as children we're taught so many other things. Mm-hmm honestly sometimes to the contrary of reality the idea that we don't always know is normal it's human so i think i think knowing things is good knowing things is something that you should strive for but any sort of not knowing things it's something it's an opportunity it's a place to learn and i think that's where people get mixed up because because if i were him as a as a black person i would have gone there too i would have been like oh you think all black people like barbecue oh you think all black people like this or that or whatever right so because because you're so used to the stereotype that you automatically think that that's someone saying that that's what they're saying to you right so i totally get where he's coming from but i swear to god i had no idea that was even a thing and i was 20 years old i don't know how i didn't know that i just also i'm i'm gen x and i i feel like we were all a little more tolerant of each other than people are now i maybe we were in a bubble but i i know when i was in high school i couldn't have given a shit less what color somebody was or what anything it was like well, do you like grunge or not? Or do you you have hypercolor shirts or not? Do you wear Doc Martens? Do you, you know, like superficial shit, but it wasn't ever about that. For me, for me, I can't say that for other people, but 
I was never thinking about, oh, that person's black. I can't, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. So it is a learning thing, but I do catch myself in a lot of situations like that. Like, <laughs> okay, another embarrassing story. <laughs> I, I was on a podcast recently and they were kind enough to edit this out for me, but I will tell it only because I want to be transparent about mm-hmm how naive people can be, especially myself. Uh, I was on what I had heard was. They're amazing. If you guys haven't listened to them, like, awesome. Um, what were we ta- I think we were talking about the original Ocean's Eleven. And mm-hmm. so one of the girls was talking about how Sammy Davis Jr., they always wanted him to sing and, like, you know, perform because that's who he was. He was, like, a performer. Yeah. So they were talking about every time he was here, they were like, oh, you need to sing for us or, oh, you need to do this. So sidebar a a phrase that i always say about anything ever and you're gonna cringe but please don't because i promise it's a real thing that people say it's from like a movie or something yeah it's dance monkey dance and so when she was saying that stuff i was like oh dance monkey dance and they all stopped and i was like what and i was like (gasps) yeah like in that moment, I literally wanted to die but because I didn't make that connection. Right. Because that's not what I meant. And then I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, will you guys please edit that out? That's not what I meant. And I like apologized for like half an hour. But I can see it's so hard because some people really are just stupid like me or not stupid, but naive. That's not what I meant, but I could right. see how it could have been taken that way. You know, that's the. Uh, funny enough I, I get the whole dance monkey dance thing just because I, I was a professional clown right I was a professional yeah. clown so my I guess my version of that would be make me a bike clown or make me a balloon clown bicycle clown like literally <laughs> funny guy and make it like like literally so I I 100% see where you're coming from I think I think living in a world where we and make mistakes like that because it's it's an honest mistake you know it's not right it's not something that you're thinking about constantly i think i think um but i am as, now because i don't want right. to make those mistakes anymore because i mean i i mean i have very close friends who are black i have friends that are hispanic i have you know and i i have friends that are homosexual right. like i never mm-hmm. want to offend anybody because that's not who I am. Like I love everybody for who they are. And if I, if I do say something that's truly offensive, I want you to tell me, but if I say it like that scenario, it was not meant offensive and stuff just gets, you know, mixed up and everybody is in such a heightened state of awareness. And I think it's a good thing, right? but sometimes it's a bad thing. I, I think because I would never ever hurt anybody that I care about. Right. I think on I think purpose. A, right. I think it's <laughs> a bad thing in that you know we catch ourselves in these moments where it's like something that was mundane has this sort of negative connotation to it in specific contexts. Right. And I I you know I despite it being an embarrassing story, give props to you because you 
you acknowledged it and like said, you know, I'm going to do better to not make that mistake in the future. There are plenty right. of people who could not care less, who, who just like, who, I don't care who I offend. I right. like, I don't, I don't care if I make other people feel bad. Um, and I think striving to be a person who literally is just trying to add good to the world and acknowledges yeah. and sometimes we they add bad because it's not even they add bad. Sometimes they mess up a little bit. And yeah. it's like we're we're human. Like the idea right. that we're we can't mess up is so silly. Um so yeah, no props to you for <laughs> for acknowledging it and like you know, learning from it and growing from it because that's that's what we're here to do. Yeah, it is. It is hard though when you're a very kind of like pure-hearted, simple person because I I don't want to have to police all of my thoughts when I know that they're not from a bad right. place. Now, right. now if I were to say something that is, never mind. I don't even want to say anything. Uh, I wish I could think of an example. But you know, sometimes people say stuff that's like, okay, for example, um, oh man, try and think of a good one. I kind of have it in my head. Like, um, all right, never mind. I can't do it. I think I, I think there's a difference between knowing that something is a racist, homophobic, sexist, whatever, and you didn't realize it now you do and you still use it as opposed to it's not that but it could be perceived as that but it also could not be and so you still right. say it in certain contexts do you know what i mean yeah I, i'm trying to think of an example and i can't like um i don't know right it's hard it's hard it's hard for people like me and i'm not trying to pretend like oh i have my life so hard because i mean I'm a white woman. My life's not that hard. (laughs) But I think it is hard just in the way that like we as white people are raised, you know? Oh yeah. We're we're 100% raised to like not really pay attention to that kind of stuff. Not really take note of it. So it is, it is. Well, we're not educated on it. Right. Either. Right. It's, it's hard to like really have to relearn yeah so much and like i'm gonna sit here and i'm gonna do it because i feel like that is that is what i need to do because i'm privileged and you know i i'm here to listen and i'm here to learn um but the idea that it's not hard it's it's hella hard it's hella hard sometimes especially when it's not your intention Right. I know that intentions don't always mean the best of things or whatever, but as as a person myself, I am always intentioned on being accepting, loving, cognizant of all the things. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I will not say or do something that I don't know because nobody told me was right. a bad thing. If you tell me, I won't do it again. But it's also like, well... And like I told you before, I can look back on cer- certain social media posts and be like, well, I know 
Amanda five years ago thought that because she was a good person, but Amanda now knows that's not the same thing because she's learned. Yeah. So there are people who are assholes to be assholes, unfortunately, a lot. There are people Mm -hmm. who don't want to learn, but I don't know anybody who is listening or wants to follow me or likes me or hates me or whatever. I will never intentionally do anything to hurt anybody. So I always want to learn, but also we're all indoctrinated. We're, I mean, I grew up with half my house saying the N word until I was like 10 years old. And I think they probably, especially my grandparents, they probably were racist because they did grow up in that time. And they said they threw that word around like it was nothing. Right. The only thing I can applaud myself on is that I cringed every time they said it. Right. So at least my education and my parenting gave me enough to know that it wasn't a good thing. But that's not enough. You still have to go learn why it's not a good thing. Right. It's not, it's not just a trigger word. It's a real thing that matters to people and you have to learn why it's bad. Right. I think I, that is part of the reason why this podcast exists. It's part of the reason why uh, I enjoy doing this so much is the idea that everybody makes mistakes. Everybody fucks up sometimes. Everybody, Every fucking day. For real, for real. Every fucking day. Every day. day. Every single day. So the idea that, like, everybody does it. The question is, are you going to learn from it? Right. Are you going to do it again? I think I I definitely put you as someone who learns, learns from mistakes. By the way, if... I try, but... Anyone... You know. Don't anybody throw hate. This is not a hate podcast. Y'all need to listen to Amanda. Y'all need to listen to the SIP list. Y'all need to listen to our previous conversations on the SIP list. By the way, Amanda's 43 and doesn't give a fuck if you like her or not, but I hope you do. <laughs> like, like we are all here to learn. We are all here to grow as people because we're, we're yeah. fucking people. <laughs> well, and like for you, if, me, if I was at your house right now, I would just want to like hang out with you guys and hug you and talk about all kinds of things and do all, I mean, watch movies and drink wine right. and cuddle with your dogs and whatever. And I would be aware of things that might be prejudiced that have been not what I believe, but have been said in my mind that I would never say, but if I ever did say something that was, it would never be because, oh, I hate gay people. Like, right. what? No. Like, it it would be because I am educated. And so I, I want to learn those things. And I want people to also understand that if I make that mistake, it's not because I'm a bad person. Right. And I think that I think that understanding isn't always reciprocal um, because there are so many people who are just assholes. Yeah. Because I know, I and I'm a lot different now, but I know I have said things out of, you know, naivete that have been, why did you say that? And it's like, because I didn't know. I just right. really didn't know, you know? Right. Like what we were talking about earlier. I had no idea. And that's so interesting to me. And it's not, you know, oh, that's gross. Why are you talking about that? Well, it's not gross. Like sexuality is a beautiful thing. Like it's normal. (laughs) 
And and the other thing too that always kills me about that is the mm-hmm. Christians who are about why are you talking to my kids about sex? Well, first of all, nobody's talking to your kids about sex in school. Right. But if you believe in God and you read the Bible, you know that sex was created and this is in that scenario by mm-hmm. God to be a thing that is enjoyed by two partners. Why right. would you not want to celebrate that? If if you believe in your special little book that that's what is the thing, well, there's plenty of verses in the Bible to tell you why sex is a good thing. Right. And why you should love it and enjoy it and whatever. Well, and it, as a as a Christ believing person who is also queer, I um I know all the little arguments. I know all the little oh, but the book says this. Oh, but the book says that. And it's like, oh, I can take you on every single one of those arguments. I can and that's 100%, why you're the best. I can 100% explain to you why things were the way they were. Why those things were like a certain way. Why they were written that way. And what it all actually means. And right. how it does not mean what you think it means um well because it's not it's not about christ it's not about god it's not about the bible it's about politics yeah and it jesus wasn't about politics like i mean i'm not even a practicing christian like i honestly i'm at a point in my life where i didn't even know if i believe in the christian god anymore right i believe that there is a higher power i believe that I, I don't think we just spontaneously combusted into existence, but I think my problem is Christianity that I grew up with is so warped now mm-hmm. that I can't identify with it. Right. But I also find myself always praying to God, whether that's a condition thing or what, but either way, it, where was I going with this? Damn it, man. I had a I, point. I think, I think any sort of spirituality or religion or however you see it because i mean my partner is is basically pagan um believes in uh, multiple deities yeah Um, athena is athena is a big one for him um for me i i still pray whenever i feel like i need to Um, right it's whether I'm praying to the same God that Catholics believe in or whatever, it doesn't really matter to me because it's yeah. my prayers and it's it's my my belief that's being put out there um, into the universe or whatever. Um, so yeah. Well, and I think to believe that only one, you know, because I've been to, growing up, I went to different churches, so Baptist and Church of Christ, and don't even get me started, Um, but (laughs) I think anybody that believes that their brand of faith are the only people going to heaven are arrogant, because first of all, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible does not specify a certain whatever it's called i i'm calling it a brand of faith but if you're protestant methodist catholic this that whatever it's not specified and also 
it's not your place to judge anybody else. Like right. ultimately, I feel like, okay, I need to do what I feel is right for me. I'm going to be judged however I'm judged, whether there right. is a judgment, whether there's not a judgment. Maybe my faith was completely misplaced and I die and I'm warm food. <laughs> it didn't hurt me, right? right? But I also can't force it on other people because not everybody believes that. And like, so I don't know if you saw the TikTok, um, it's maybe like a month ago. Um, it was on an airplane and a group of uh, people on a mission trip broke out in song. Yeah, I see your face, you know. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, so, uh, uh, so cringy. <laughs> it's so cringy, but, but it's so accepted by the majority of people. If that had been a, you know, let's say a Muslim that got up and did a prayer circle or you know, somebody that got up and did a satanic whatever, it, that's an extreme. But either way, you can't you can't do that. And right. if somebody had got up and said, Oh, I'm I'm starting a Muslim prayer circle, they probably would have landed the fucking plane and been like, You're all kicked off and you're going to jail and blah 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 blah. And it's like because these people are standing in the aisle singing about Jesus, I should just accept it. Right. Well, I don't know if you saw the tweet from Ilhan Omar. Um, yes. Yes. She, she said exactly that. She, yeah. she 100% was like, you know, I I am all for people believing what they believe. I'm all for people doing right, whatever. But, but them singing worship songs on a plane would be treated much differently than if me and my family started praying on the plane be treated like a hate crime absolutely and that's bullshit i am i am 100 an advocate for freedom of religion and part of freedom of religion is freedom from religion yes don't put your religion on other people it is not You are not an evangelist. You are not here to evangelize people and convert people. That is not an okay thing to do. But unfortunately, so many conservative Christians believe that that is their job. Right. Is to spread the word of God, to (sighs) convince everybody, to, you know, and it's just like, I mean... I'm sorry, but God impregnated a teenager and forced her to have that baby with a man who wasn't her husband. Like, are we really just going to skip over the fact that that didn't happen? Right. Like, the problem is people cherry pick the Bible to serve their own purposes. Oh, absolutely. The bottom line is you believe what you believe. If, If you believe life begins at conception, then don't you get an abortion because that's what violates your personal belief science tells us that's not the truth the constitution roe v wade as it stands tells us that's not the truth so you can't it's just like if you know i'm legally brain dead they can't unplug me unless i have specified that's what i want them to do if i need a kidney I can't force my husband to give me a kidney. Like it doesn't, it's just, it's about control. And that's what 
makes me insane. Right. So I think I think, and I know that I, you know because right, you know. I think that's why I love. Um, so I don't know if you've seen it, um, but a group of people created the Prismatic Church, basically an LGBT hmm. church, non secular or uh, secular church. So um, they're basically a church, but not necessarily religious. All for the gotcha. purpose of of basically saying our our churchgoers have bodily autonomy autonomy. Yeah. Any amount of any amount of law that goes against their bodily autonomy is against the freedom of religion. Same thing with yeah. uh, the Satanic Temple, which I don't know if you know much about the Satanic Temple. It's actually oh, not much. it's not actually satan worshipers or anything like that it's right. basically uh, yeah, I similar really basically it's it's a <clears> charitable <throat> organization they they hmm. uh do things for the homeless and things like that oh. um all and like uh they support bodily autonomy and all that sort of stuff um it's the name more or less is kind of a meme sort of just <laughs> trolling trolling people um, uh, but it's still, I like it. It's still listed by the government as a religion. So people who worship at the satanic temple have freedom of bodily autonomy because it is their freedom of religion to yeah. do so. Um, and I'm, I am all about, you know, if they're going to make all these laws, if they're going to you know do all these things let's use it to our advantage like let's start a religion of uterus worshipers oh my gosh, yes. I'd, I'd be <laughs> or down for that. maybe not uterus worshipers that could be used against us um but something to that effect you know what i mean the holy church of ovaria yes thank you <laughs> um, um can we pause for just a second Yes, I'm actually going to run to the restroom real quick. Me too. Thank you. I'm so sorry. Okay. Thank you. Jinx. We'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> it's the Meat for Tea cast, an extension of Meat for Tea, the Valley Review, an arts and literary journal based in Western Massachusetts, featuring artists and writers from all over the world. 3,000 years is not an overnight or an she oversight either. She looked to be in her mid-20s. She was wearing a loose gray top with black yoga pants. Nick was wearing cargo shorts and a t-shirt. He was conscious of how The Meet for Tea cast features interviews with artists, writers, and musicians, spoken word, music performances, and other arts and literary related items. So when you were hitting those serves, who was on the other side of the net? Nobody. Oh. Nobody. It was, it was. So that makes it even more I'm like playing against a ghost. Feathers. I'm allergic to down. With selections from Meet for Tea events, such as the Cirques, which are release parties for each issue of the magazine, and other Meet for Tea sponsored events. Do check it out. The Meet for Tea cast, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, they are. Oh, no. Shit. What happened? I dropped my hat. Oh, I was like, I heard, oh shit. <laughs> okay. That's okay. Your hair looks great. Yeah.
I had not I have not put on makeup or done shit today. I do have my mega pint shirt on. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. Sorry, thank you. Sure, you're good. Um, so we did have a topic today. <sighs> even though we've been kind of Oh yeah. Dancing around it. Um Texas. Tejas. Um Oh, Texas. You are not from Texas. Correct. You came from. I am not. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yep. Did you grow up in Oklahoma City or around Oklahoma City? Um, mostly. Hmm. When my parents were married, I moved around a little bit because my dad was in the army. But for the most part, I grew up in Oklahoma City. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, what what brought you to Texas? Because you live in the Fort Worth area now. Yes. So um, my husband, we we're still dating. He he worked for a big like oil and gas company in Oklahoma City and they laid a bunch of people off and he ended up finding a job down here. And then about three years later, we got married and I moved down here. So just a little bit more opportunity, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my sister lives in Colorado now because her, her husband works in oil and gas. So they moved. Yeah. They moved up there. Um, what would you say is your favorite thing about Texas? Because we've been talking about a lot of a lot of least favorite things about Texas throughout yeah. this so far. <laughs> well, I, I don't know because I had a favorite thing, but now it's a thing in Oklahoma too. So I don't know if it's still my favorite thing. Um, hmm. When I first moved here, it was being able to buy wine in a grocery store. Nice. Um, in Oklahoma, it, it, it was maybe like four or five years ago. You couldn't do that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to go to 7-Eleven or Walgreens or Kroger or whatever and buy wine was cool. You didn't have to go to a liquor store. Um, honestly, I it's hard because I will say Fort Worth is very much like Oklahoma City. It's just a lot bigger. Yeah. Um. And, and people aren't as nice. I mean, people in Fort Worth are nice. People in Dallas are a lot less nice, um, just because Dallas is very pretentious. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. I mean, there's lots of cool stuff about Dallas. And if I were single and like 25 or 30, I'd love to live in Dallas. But married and having kids, I'm like, oh, I'll live over here. I think that's kind of the thought of most people who don't live in Dallas is like Dallas yeah. is basically cowboy boots, Stetsons, and ego. That's all Dallas is. Well, but it's also like, you know, uh, Tori Birch and Christian Louboutin and like all, mm. like there's sections of Dallas that are so like super pretentious. Right. It, I, I feel like Fort Worth is more like cowboy-esque. And yeah. Dallas is very like, okay, you can go get tacos at two in the morning, but it's $10 for one taco because it's like a super nice restaurant. Like, you know, or if you leave, if you live even close to Highland Park, you live in Highland Park. Oh, I live by Jerry Jones. No, you live like 30 miles away and you're on the edge of Highland Park and you live in a 300 square foot apartment. But I like Dallas a lot. Again, if I were a different age of a different social situation, 
Dallas would be the place to live right. if if you had money. You have to have money to. I do have a friend that lives very close to Lower Greenville, which is a part of Dallas, and that's a very like every year for OU Texas, we're always that's where everybody goes, and you know they have a very beautiful house. It's like an old old house that they've restored. Um, so there's a lot of different beautiful places, but it, there's a lot of money in right. DFW for sure. And I think Houston is the same in certain parts. San Antonio is the same in certain parts. It's, you know, there are places that are very affluent and then there are places that are, you know, for example, Dallas, if you were to go near Fair Park, Fair Park is not a place you want to be just walking around. Mm. Like it's a scary place. Yeah. So there's a lot of inequity of wealth in Texas. Oh, absolutely. I think it's funny because I have, lived in houston basically my whole life outside of it growing up just in the suburbs and um throughout college i was living either in the third ward which is known for being the rougher part of town which i honestly if and this goes to anyone who is listening who has ever lived in the third ward like it really ain't that rough okay those people who are all drinking beers on the corner, they're not making drug deals. They're literally just, that is, <laughs> that is their place to hang out. They are literally just listening to music and hanging out. Um, is that in the inner loop or the outer loop? It is in the inner loop. Yeah. Um, okay. That's the one thing that confuses me down there. Right. <laughs> um, but I've also lived near the Galleria and near like River Oaks, which is the definitely the more affluent part of uh houston you know driving past people who are driving rolls royces and maseratis and just these ridiculously expensive cars i'm fully like driving past them in my and dallas is like that right like it's (sighs) gotta love social inequity and you know well, you also have to think that Dallas, uh, Houston, and San Antonio all have NBA teams. Right. And Houston has an NFL team. Dallas has an NFL team. Does San Antonio doesn't, right? No. no. Okay. So there is a lot of wealth and a lot of star power, you know, besides oil and gas, which is already its own big thing here. Um, right. I going mean, on in these major cities. Yeah. So. Tillman, Tillman Fertitta, who owns Landry's and all of the mm-hmm. related companies, Bubba Gump, things like that, um, which my parents always used to tell me he was a mobster. <laughs> so so <laughs> I, I, I hazard to say anything too negative, um, just so I don't get, you know, shot in my driveway. But... Um, <laughs> Like, there is a lot of money in Houston, specifically mm-hmm. old money, mm-hmm. um, money that has been Dallas passed too. down, uh, you know, generations and generations. Um, and it's Texas is huge with oil and gas, right? Um, and that's where most of the money comes from nowadays, yeah, absolutely. It's oh, money. 
Well, and even, I mean, back in the day, I mean, Texas is always, I mean, you know, Dallas was a show for a reason that just really glorified the, you know, ranching, but also right. like oil and gas industry to be, oh, you know, Texas is this big thing. And I mean, it really is. Texas is huge and there's a lot of money, but there is also a lot of just poverty. Right. And there's a, especially closer you get to the border, you know, it's like. Well, and, and, and absolutely the further you get outside of the big cities, mm-hmm. it is unless unless people are owning you know a big ranch like the king ranch fun fact biggest mm-hmm. biggest ranch in the united states i think it's like a hundred kilometers or something like that square kilometers which is just massive and ridiculous um unless you own a ranch you own a small farm and mm-hmm. agriculture is tanking right now like it has been for the past like 15 years and so mm-hmm. They're all struggling too, and it's uh, it's wild. Well, it's interesting here how like so, you know, like Jerry Jones, he lives in Highland Park, but mm-hmm. so many people live around there. But also, it, it's such a big affluent neighborhood. But like in Oklahoma City, or so like Norman, for example. Okay, um, oh my God, why did I just blank on his name? Okay, well, hold on. First one, Bob Stoops. Okay, Bob Stoops is like the biggest name in Oklahoma. He's mm-hmm. like one of the biggest, not the biggest. But our friends live like half a mile away from Bob Stoops and their house costs as much as our house. So it's like, yeah, Bob, his house is obviously a lot bigger than theirs and it's in a separate neighborhood, but you can literally see it almost from where they live. Yeah, And then... um why am I forgetting his name? But he literally, he's a huge name, Oklahoma sports, lives on Campus Corner, basically, in Norman. And like, I'm gonna have to look it up. But it's like, you know, down here, all the rich people live, you know, it's like, you know, they live around here, but they have like these big, giant, expansive properties. And in Oklahoma, it's like, oh yeah, you know, you can drive right up to Bob Stoops' house. You can drive right up to uh, a bit more approachable. Uh, what is his name? Why am I drawing a blank? Story I drive by his house all the time when we go to games. Ugh. All right, sorry. <laughs> I've had some good. wine today. I've I've had a really upsetting day. I mean, um, I have had two truly so far. Um, Barry, what's his name? All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> but like they're you know yeah, they're, they're like more approachable. Where it's just so much smaller. Oh, literally. So, River Oaks Christmas lights are a big deal. Apparently, mm-hmm. I don't know. This this past year was the first year that uh, I've actually like driven through them. Which Barry Switzer? Sorry, <laughs> Barry Switzer literally <laughs> lives on a corner. In Campus Corner on OU's campus in this giant house, by the way. But yeah, I'm just saying you could walk right by it. Right. Anyway, sorry. Um, like no security or anything like that. Um, yeah. like literally driving through River Oaks Christmas lights during the holidays is the nuttiest thing, just because mm-hmm. first off, it takes 
a good 30 to 45 minutes to even get into the neighborhood because they have so many streets blocked off. Mm -hmm. Second, we're driving past houses that fully have armed guards. Like, the amount of ridiculousness in <laughs> in River Oaks just drives me bonkers. Um, the amount of just accrued wealth that, like, it's, oh my gosh, it's just That's wild. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about the next question was, what's the worst thing about Texas? Rich people. Everything? <laughs> everything right now. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to disappoint you. I, I really don't like living here. Like, I, like I will say my general area, my subdivision, my general short community of like Keller is very similar to Oklahoma city. So, mm -hmm. but uh, I have noticed ever since I've moved here, people in Texas are just, and again, it's maybe because it's a, bigger metropolis for the most part more right. people whatever but everybody is just very concerned with themselves right and it, to be fair the way our society is going a lot of people are like that i've never been that kind of person mm -hmm. so it's really hard for me when everybody around me like for example i work in a doctor's office i worked in a doctor's office in oklahoma if somebody was going to be late, they called you. They'd be like, oh my God, I'm I'm 15 minutes away and I might be five minutes late. Like right. that was just a thing people did. Here, people show up 15 minutes late without a phone call and expect them to still see you. And and they'll they'll literally show up at 2:20 and be like, Yeah, I have an appointment at two. And I'm like, um, yeah, your appointment was 20 minutes ago. Right. But and to me, that's so rude. Like, to me, that's oh, just yeah. so unacceptable. But in Texas, that's just a thing people do. It's just so, so, so strange, too, because I'm definitely the type of person to be like, I do it to haircut appointments. I do it to doctor's appointments. If I am even going to be five minutes late, I'm calling and being like, me too. hey, I am stuck in traffic. I am so sorry. I will be there as soon as I can. Mm -hmm. Like I am on my way. I'm in my car. Um, and it's about the principle. If you right. call, first of all, in DFW, like for me, I leave. If my appointment spot is 15 minutes away, I leave 40 minutes early. Right. Because I understand that in Dallas, Fort Worth, you're going to run into some shit. That's just the way it is yeah you're gonna run into some shit unless you're going like two blocks <laughs> but people don't account for that but if they call and they're like hey i got stuck in the train i got stuck in traffic because we have a train right by our office so people right. do get stuck there if you call you know what we'll accommodate you unless you're like 45 minutes late an hour late we're going to work you in. Right. But it's when people show up 20, 30 minutes late. Oh, I have an appointment. And it was 30 minutes ago. It's like, mm, you did. Do you know what time it is? <laughs> <laughs> in, in Oklahoma, that's just not really a thing. Right. For the most part. Like, not 100%. But I will say that was the hardest thing for me to get used to moving here. When I worked in a doctor's office. Yeah. Was how 
inconsiderate people are about other people's time. Right. I think, uh, and, and don't feel like you're disappointing at all because me and my partner are fully trying to leave the state for many, many, many reasons. I um, do not blame you. If I were uh, you, I would get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I, I would, Houston will always be home. I like, I love yeah. Houston. I love that my family is here. And there's uh, a lot of good stuff about my, Houston. Right. I just, it's not safe anywhere. I think that's, I agree. The, I think that's the thing. It's Texas <laughs> is not as safe as it was when I was a kid, um, especially for people who are LGBT. Yeah, um, I 100% agree. For women, for anybody who's a minority, I'm just like, it's, it's not safe to be here anymore. Yeah. Um, I know I had a conversation with my mother about it because um, I was just like, everything going on, things are not looking good. And I am I am not about to be hate-crimed. <laughs> right. Like, like that, is, that is not on my to-do list. But that's list. a real fucking concern. Oh, yeah. Like... You know, Absolutely. as a woman, I am always concerned about my surroundings. I am right. always worried that I could be attacked, could be raped or whatever. But also, uh, from your side of the coin, like, I can't imagine to, uh, I think as a woman, you're kind of conditioned to know that that's a thing that could happen to you. Like, you're right. brought up to know that's a thing. But if you're, if you're gay, you may not be brought up to think that because your parents may not even know you know you could come out to them when let's say you're 20 and you come out to your parents and they're like okay that's great we love you but you still have to have the awareness that you could just be walking down the street and somebody somebody will target you because of who you live right like that's a whole different kind of scenario attack like i can't even imagine what it must be to even have to think about that like it's I mean, disgusting. And I, I give my parents a lot of props um, for being as aware as they were um, because whenever I came out, they were very accepting. They were very supportive. Um, the only thing... That makes me they, happy. Right. I know. I'm, I am very lucky. Not everybody gets that. So <laughs> I don't I, make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> but the only thing they said to me was be careful. Yeah, because there are people out in the world who want to hurt LGBT people, um, who want to hurt anybody, and I, I don't get it. Right, <laughs> just don't get it. Well, I mean, as as big as Houston is, the LGBT community in Houston is not so big that uh, we don't hear things. So anytime right. there is something that happens, we all know. We all know we are all, we're all, you know, not walking out at night. We don't, we don't leave certain areas of Houston because of attacks and things like that. Um, and what do you do when you do your shows? Ah, uh, I'm sorry. I don't no, know. No, like, no, no. But do, I mean, you just I, like look out or do you guys have security or I don't travel alone. Um, I typically will have Neither do I. <laughs> right. I'll typically have friends or my partner with me. Um, and let's face it, 
whether I'm in a wig and heels or not. If someone's gonna fight me, I'm gonna fuck their faces up. But I hope so. <laughs> I will fuck their faces up and make them feel bad about it the entire time because they are lo- losing to a full woman. No, I'm just kidding. And if you're wearing super high heels, you already have the advantage. <laughs> right. Um, it's but, like, what's that movie where she grabs the heel and just like, what is that movie? But she just hits him right in the head with it. Anyway, that's what I, you do. I mean, I would do Right it. between the eyes with the heel. I would literally just put my hand up and be like, hold on, let me unzip my boot. I need something to hit you with. Um, yes. <laughs> luckily, within the sort of Montrose neighborhood of houston which is the very lgbt friendly i know that neighborhood. neighborhood i've been there it's it's a lot of fun the that's fruit, where all the, the art places are right oh yeah art places yes, i've been there um it, a lot of very nice antique and thrift stores are there um bars at the wazoo i used to have a friend who lived close to there and that's where we i remember Montrose. that's where we went okay right yeah um, i feel like we know each other better okay sorry like, <laughs> go ahead um, if anybody is in Houston um, and you want a heavy pour, um, come to Montrose because <laughs> the bartenders know how to uh, serve drinks. Um, but luckily, all of the bars are fairly safe. Um, That's good. Especially on big events, there are police that sort of patrol as as complicated as lgbt community is relative to police uh, that relationship is always you know kind of weird and kind of uncomfortable um i will still very much appreciate uh them you know deterring any amount of crime or hate crime or anything like that um but that's the thing is people don't go alone like People do not go out alone ever. Um, I know in early in college, whenever I was 21 or 22, I uh, there were a couple nights where I went out alone. I took like an Uber, I went out. And I remember thinking, going out, I was like, I, w- I was, it was stupid. <laughs> like, I remember thinking that I was like, this is stupid, this is dangerous. Like, I, I really shouldn't be doing this. This is, I, I could end up getting hurt doing this. Um, and it's so scary and so sad that we live in a world that that still exists. Um, and <clears throat> luckily I don't do that now. And I, I think uh, a lot but of- But you shouldn't have to do that. Everybody should be able to right. walk the street freely without, you know- worrying about being attacked for whatever reason like it's just and it's so crazy that so many people that are about freedom and you know my body my choice and this and that whatever want to persecute people that don't think exactly like them like and that's the thing the loudest people are the ones that are are you know the most hypocritical The loudest people are the ones who are most willing to attack someone just because they're different. Right. Well, and let's just say, for example, let's just say I am a Christian conservative woman. And I believe, because I've skewed the Bible in my direction, 
mm-hmm. that homosexuality is wrong and life begins at conception. And I come talk to you and I say, hey, the Bible says X, Y, Z, and I believe in Jesus, and this is how you're going to go to heaven, and this is what I think, and I present it to you. And you say, okay, that's cool. No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> how does that hurt me? Right. It doesn't. Whatever you believe and you lay in your deathbed thinking or whatever, that affects you. If I am on my deathbed and I believe in Jesus that he's going to take me to heaven, I don't give a fucking shit about what somebody else who doesn't believe what I believe is doing right there. Right. So I understand that people think, though, that we have to spread the gospel, blah, 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 but... If the Bible also says don't hate, and this is also if you only believe in the Christian Bible, like, (laughs) right, but it's still not your place to persecute people because they don't think what you think or don't believe what you believe. And the hill I will die on, which I may have said this to you before, I will die on this hill every fucking day of my life. I've grown up a Christian. I I do still believe in God. I don't know that I believe the same things right. that I used to, but I do believe in a God or a higher power or, or something that is there to protect us, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as, a, as a person who has been with men, who has also had a threesome with a woman, a, a friend that I considered a very special person to me who was not a stranger who i cared about Mm -hmm. i i did it for the wrong reasons but i did do it and i did participate in it both of those things being said i could never choose to be attracted to women right in that scenario when she was doing things to me i didn't like it right And, and i and and i had had a lot to drink so i was very open and I, I think emotionally, yes, I was like, I'm going to do this for my guy because then maybe he'll love me. Like that was a stupid bullshit. Right. You know? I could, I could he, go on for days about, yeah. about you know how guys about joke about threesomes huh. and you're like, okay, well maybe if I do this, he'll love me. Okay. But all of that aside, I could not choose to be attracted to her and not be attracted to my boyfriend. Right. Like there's just, there is no if you're bi or pan or open to whatever and you like both that's great but i am attracted to men and i tried she she was a a gorgeous woman a person i felt close to not a stranger like a friend a real friend so it wasn't just a fling thing you know oh i'll try it blah 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 you can't choose that right and I will forever die on the hill that you cannot choose who you are romantically, sexually, whatever, attracted to. Right. It's what happens to your body, what happens to your mind, regardless of who it is. So anybody that argues with me, come tell me different. And if you're a guy that says, oh, gay, being gay is wrong, go kiss a man and come talk to me and tell me if you liked it. Like. Fuck you. You're or stupid. just come here and kiss my ass. Um, Please. <laughs> like and lick the asshole just to make sure you're you're thorough. 
Like, then again, I don't know where that mouth has been. So that's true. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying that I don't get why people say that. And maybe is that me being naive? I don't think so. I think a lot okay. of it comes down to power. They really don't yeah. give a shit about it. If they can put anyone beneath themselves, then they're going to. Um, and I think there's also people who have been so indoctrinated into heteronormative nonsense that that they're like, oh, I'm going to literally catch on fire if I am who I actually am. I mean, True. a lot of times hate crimes and, and anti-LGBT sentiment and attacks are largely perpetrated by people who have experienced homosexual tendencies yeah. whether they are LGBT whether like you know it doesn't really matter a lot of times they are trying to bury things so deep that anything that you know pops up a little rainbow flower in their mind is something that they have to stamp out and you know it's sad that that is the it's world so we live in right it's like here's the thing if if the reason that you're being hateful is because you have these feelings that you feel like you're gonna die if you if you actually express i i i feel for you i hope you i hope you figure your stuff out i hope you end up being able to live a happy life and and actually be who you are that's up to them though don't don't come for me because girl you come for me i will come (laughs) for you and not in a good way yes like well and so i would actually challenge hmm. if there are any listeners because I will say in the in these two scenarios, abortion and homosexuality, the only arguments I have ever been presented are quote unquote biblical, right? Which are not biblical. Abortion is only referenced in the Bible when it's being committed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the verse in front of me, but it is a thing. Um, the woman's been supposedly unfaithful and if she's been unfaithful she'll miscarry her baby and we'll give her this it's the bitter water something yeah um and then for homosexuality the only thing the bible says is actually about pedophilia so Mm -hmm. well if if your if your argument is the bible and you exclude those two things tell me why you think either of those things are wrong and if you're not a christian and you still think those are those things are wrong tell me why right specifically i I want to hear it right specifically the bible there are three three main areas first off leviticus which any smart christian who isn't a fucking idiot um uh doesn't follow the levitican laws because those are the same ones that it's like, oh, you can't eat shellfish, and oh, you can't right. mix fabrics. Like the whole. Oh, and you can sell your daughter for a goat, and right. oh, if you, you know, 
like any any work good on Christian, the Sabbath, then you should be shot to death right. <laughs> or stoned to death. Like that is something that they actively nitpick. Which hell, I'll nitpick that too because I'm just like, yeah, no, no one, yeah. no one follows us. Second oh, in one, Genesis, life begins at first breath. Right. Um. What was I saying? Oh, second Sorry. one. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, second one being uh specifically uh talking about pederasty. So I actually took a GLBT studies class in college, which I nice. loved. It was really interesting, and one of the things we learned about were expressions of homosexuality in uh you know throughout history egyptians were very queer um you know burying husbands together and burying wives together and things like that interesting um, mm-hmm, they were very very gay um, i'm totally convinced cleopatra was a lesbian by the oh, way but at least bisexual like yeah okay bisexual you're probably right she she full-on did whatever she wanted oh yeah Um, pederasty was it is where we get the word for pedophilia um in greek and roman culture pederasty was a form of almost apprenticeship so it was at the time in that context culturally acceptable it was um basically a younger person would live with an older person and in exchange for sexual gratification the older person would be basically apprenticing the youngest younger person so teaching them a craft or teaching them some sort of technical skill not saying that that is an okay thing especially in the context that we live in to get today but like culturally (laughs) culturally that's that's where that came from um so they were trying to weed that out of course um set the last thing is uh paul to the romans those letters um where he specifically mentions homosexuality not by word because that word didn't exist then but right uh that sort of topic was specifically so they could weed out pagan worship because a lot of times in certain pagan religions uh homosexual intercourse was a form of worship to pagan deities um so in order to sort of kill off these pagan religions that was they were killing off the worship basically saying nope you can't do that that is against god right and all of those things, all of those little things that were happening, which were fully based on context, fully based on intention. What were they trying to do? What were they trying to achieve? Right. Is is where any sort of animosity comes from today. At least from, you know, anyone drawing from the Bible, which is just like. Okay, right. You like, it's still not the law of the land. Like people, people don't do those things anymore, right? And and yeah. um, you don't trade your daughter for a goat. You don't kill somebody because they touched a pigskin. You don't, right. you know. Well, it's like uh, Sodom and Gomorrah 
where angels right. had come down and stayed with people and were trying to find like the one nice people. And it's where the word <laughs> sodomy comes from. Right. Which in that specific story, it wasn't consensual. Like it was rape. It, it was right. not consensual. So the idea that you're that anyone is relating homosexuality to some to literal rape to something that was non-consensual relating consensual relationships with non-consensual relationships it's like the slightest bit of critical thinking the slightest bit of critical thinking and like just look at it just analyze it like (laughs) think about it because well it's just like saying oh women shouldn't be in leadership in the church when clearly uh, women brought the gospel first to you know jesus or whatever and like you know i mean people take certain things literal about you know the man should be in charge and the women should be quiet but then later in the bible you see where the women are the ones doing the work and meanwhile jesus's friends are nailing him to a cross like well it's always it's always so interesting to me to think about like judaism too um because there are female rabbis there are Mm -hmm. many female rabbis so the idea that like women can't lead a religion or can't you know teach those sort of topics it's just so it's so silly, and it's people wanting yeah. to control and people wanting oh, power doggy. for beer. <laughs> well, and you also can't say our job is to spread the gospel, to spread the word of God, and then say, well, oh, you're a woman. No, you can't do that. Right. Well, either it is or it isn't. And right. you can't say the men are in charge and the women need to be quiet when historically in the Bible, the women are the ones doing the backbones of the work they're the ones doing the majority of the work they're the ones that discovered or found jesus first after he came out of the tomb like you can't you can't say that the women have no power when they clearly have most of the power like and again to say abortion or homosexuality neither one of those things are actually really addressed in that context in the bible and life begins at first breath but also abortion god ordered an abortion for women who were unfaithful so you can't have it both ways right i uh there are a couple movie quotes that i just i love and specific movies that i love uh if you've ever seen v for vendetta um it's yes yes, very action-packed blah 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 but um, at one point she ends up the main girl played by Natalie Portman um, mm-hmm. ends up at her, her her I know I love her too um, ends up at her boss's house her old boss's house and ends up seeing a back room and goes into it and in this back room she basically finds out he's gay which in that context was awful and he would have been taken away and all this stuff um but also he had a quran and she was like what you're you're muslim and he was like 
no. I don't <laughs> I don't I don't have to you know be Muslim to read the text and find it's it beautiful or find parts of it like moving. Right. Um another thing, I don't know if you've seen the book of Eli. I have. It's been a really long time. Yeah. Uh I love that just because literally the whole entire premise of that movie is keeping the Bible away from the bad guy so he can't use it to control people. Like Yeah. That is the whole premise of that movie. Sorry for spoilers if anyone hasn't seen it, but that's like, you know, oh, such as like... I'm shaking my head like it's my podcast. I don't care. It's your podcast. Which one? <laughs> right. Um, but like the whole premise is that people fight wars over this stuff. Yeah. And people use it to manipulate and control other people, which was never the intention of it. Or at least I hope that was never the intention of it. Um, you have to hope not I wonder that's one of my things that I contemplate on about I don't know it's hard it's hard to grow up you know believing in a God that loves everyone that wants the best for everyone that's going to forgive you that he you know for all those pro-lifers killed his only son just so you could be forgiven like but it's hard when people say this is wrong or that is wrong or whatever because i twisted this context of the bible and it's like well do you really know though were you there right in in the in the words of johnny depp were you there (laughs) right oh my gosh (laughs) i've been watching that i've been watching it too me too I, I have created coloring pages and I am having I so much fun with it. I, I'm I, dying. Send me send me the link to your Etsy I will. because I I'll I'll just send you the PDF so you don't have to buy them. It's well, cool. no, so I can share them with the listeners because they okay. absolutely need them because I, I made looked, a couple new ones today too. I look at the <laughs> I I saw them and they're just absolutely hysterical. I'm just dying. They're um, so great. Thank you. So can I, I'm going to have to read it because I can't quote it exactly, but mm-hmm. um, what we're talking about. So yeah. it was one of the, one of the things that I think you've probably seen it because people share it all the time, but right. um, from the West Wing, when they're talking about homosexuality. I have seen that. I have seen that uh, clip, but please, please share. Yeah. So so this is one of my favorite things ever and it's kind of what i mentioned before because it is in the again how we talk about the constitution there's amendments for a reason because and the way the constitution like for example the second amendment i'm just going to throw this out there i'm full i'm in full support of the second amendment but also when that was written guns shot one round per minute There's no way they could have ever imagined that there would be machine guns that could shoot. I don't quote me because I don't know the actual number, but let's just say they can shoot a hundred rounds per minute. Right. The founding fathers could not have imagined that that would happen. So as times change, 
the Constitution has to change, which is why we have amendments. Women aren't mentioned in the Constitution. We have the 19th Amendment, which people are already talking about getting rid of. Right. But just to say, as as we evolve as a human race, we also have to evolve our laws. So there's this great episode of The West Wing, if you haven't seen it. Um, there's a lady in the audience, she's questioning the president, and um, so he says, you call homosexuality an abomination, she says, I don't say that, the Bible does, and so he says, <laughs> I'm going to read it, um, Leviticus 18.22, chapter and verse, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions while I had you here. I'm interested in selling my youngest daughter into slavery as sanctioned in Exodus 21.7. She's a Georgetown sophomore, speaks fluent Italian, always cleared the table when it was her turn. What would be a good price for her? <laughs> While thinking about that, can I ask another? My chief of staff, Leo McGarry, insists on working on the Sabbath. Exodus 35.2 says he should be put to death. Am I obligated to kill him myself or can I call the police? <laughs> Here's one that's really important because we got a lot of sports fans in this town. Touching the skin of a dead pin, pig makes one unclean, Leviticus 11.7. If they promise to wear gloves, can the Washington Redskins still play football? Can Notre Dame, can West Point? Does the whole town really have to be together to stone my brother John for planting different crops side by side? Can I burn my mother in a small family gathering for wearing garments made from two different threads? Think about these questions. One last thing, while you might be mistaking this for your monthly meeting of the ignorant Tidas Club, <laughs> when, oh, when the president stands, nobody sits because she's sitting while everybody else is standing. Yeah. But that's a lot of stuff to say. He makes very good points in that many things in the Bible are not literally applicable in today's society. Right. Sunday football is like one of the biggest things in the United States. So just that alone. I mean, I don't know. Just I used to always believe in God. And now I have this, and I'm so glad that you still do because I feel like you can maybe help me because I still struggle with the whole Christian ideology of God and Jesus as I was brought to, because yeah, the Bible says all this shit that we don't live by. And then people make up stuff that's not even in there and we're supposed to live by it. Like I right. just don't get it. I think the way I am able to process it and deal with it is literally not giving a shit about the Bible. Like literally my my belief in christ and god is just not rooted in the bible it is it is rooted in the good things that i was taught right. um you know the stories of love and compassion and forgiveness and caring um you know the stories of christ standing up for you know sex workers and the blind and the deaf and mm -hmm. people who had mental health issues like literally jesus is a uh you know he 
as as much as people today would probably say he's a snowflake, Jesus is a social justice warrior. Like, yeah, fully. he's the best snowflake in the best way, right? Like, and that's how I process and it. It's like where God is vengeful, Jesus is like his counterpart, right? And so anyone who says but why can people pick and choose what they that's my problem because i agree with you and i feel that exact same way like when i pray like because i will do it automatically like when i'm upset especially about a lot of things i'll i'll just be laying in, in bed and i'll be like please god blah, blah 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 and i'm like well why am i praying god god isn't real god didn't hear me or whatever I feel the way you feel, but then God is so, if you read, especially the Old Testament, God destroyed fucking everything and everyone didn't give a shit. (laughs) Like, that's the thing. So what's the right thing? (laughs) For me is it's just a book. It's a book written by people. True. It wasn't written by God. It was inspired. uh, Ish. But I can't go back in time and So you think God is there and Jesus lived and died and whatever, but you think the rest of it is probably hearsay? (laughs) A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Um, uh, I agree. I I actually, that's how I feel too. So I agree with you. Like, I think a lot of, a lot of the Bible was, and you know, there are plenty of books that were, found that weren't put in the bible um plenty of writings that were found that weren't put in the bible and so if the church is gonna already pick and choose stuff like everybody else is going to too i'm going to i'm gonna pick and choose stuff that makes sure that i only add good to the world i'm not gonna push anything on anybody else well and here's the thing too I don't care what you believe. I don't care if you are Jewish. I don't care if you're Muslim. I don't care if you're Buddhist. I don't care if you're Christian. I don't care if you're an atheist. I don't care. Put good stuff into the world. You, you I wanna... mean, I do care if your religion says that women are inferior and they should serve you on their knees. Like that does bother me. But other than well, that, I do agree as... with what you say. Again, as far as putting good stuff into the world. Yeah. Um, because I feel like that's oh, all you have to do. Like Christianity says do plenty of bad stuff. Or at least the Bible does. Um, I'm not going to listen to it. The Bible is the most like violent, <laughs> vindictive, <laughs> salacious, sexual, and like just... It's the most like it, like if somebody made the Bible into a movie, it, it's like the ultimate just fuck show. Like, oh, yeah. Sorry, it's 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 everything that you would want and everything that you would hate all in the same thing. Yep, and that's and... what people take from it, and that's what's disgusting. Right, like I. I hope there are more people who, you know, read the beautiful stories in it and take those and share those than read the, the tape. But read they the don't tape, because that's man. not what serves politics, unfortunately. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, you have to consider that about 60 to 70% of Americans do not want Roe v. Wade overturned. But we have set people into place that that's what they're doing. Right. And, you know, as a, I have always considered myself like an independent, like a middle of the road. But when Trump ran and all that stuff, I went way more liberal. But honestly, we're not doing ourselves any favors over here either. Like everything is so divided and I just, I, I am so fearful of like this dystopian world that we are headed towards. And, you know, everybody says it can't happen, but there are people already being incarcerated for having an abortion or having a miscarriage. And it, it, you know, before the, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the, the case, but prior to that law making gay marriage legal there were people being incarcerated for that and uh, not even 50 years ago there were i think it was obergefell yeah i'm sorry yeah i'm sure you're Um, right anyways sorry (laughs) no you're fine but like people were being incarcerated for trying to you know being a black person going to a white church or being a black person going to a white school or it's not, you know, people are like, oh, women have had the right to vote forever. No, the 19th Amendment was like 1973. It was, I, that was yeah. five years before I was born. That is not that long, you guys. And that My was, mother was alive before she had the right to vote. Right. Like, what the fuck? Wild. And, you know, I, I like to look back and see how far we've come. But I think any amount of complacency um, only serves to our detriment. So yeah. it just, we got to keep going and we got to keep voting and we got to keep, you know, making our voices heard. Um, if we want anything to change for the better. And that's why come November, I am showing up i am voting i'm gonna try to get everyone i know to vote just because things things need to change and they are going to you know twist the system as much as they can to make sure stay things stay the same and so we just kind of have to overpower it yeah and greg abbott is a fucking nightmare i'm sorry but Greg Abbott and Ted Cruz need to fucking go. I mean, I just can't stop thinking about how if a year ago I had needed a DNC, I couldn't get one. Right. And I might have died. Like, and I'm 43. I was 42 at the time. Like, 42-year-old women don't usually get pregnant. So it's like, and I I mean, I know nowadays people into their 40s are having babies. Like, I get it. But as a, as a person who tried for five years and could not get pregnant, like, I just can't imagine. And I told my husband, I'm like, you know, I've never had an abortion, but I know someone who has. And I promise every single person listening, you know someone who's had an abortion. Whether it be by choice or by medical choice or by whatever, 
if you don't know that you know, that means they weren't comfortable telling you. Right. That That's it. But also, one in four women have had a miscarriage. So to be, A, surprised by a pregnancy you weren't expecting, uh, B, to be like six weeks into that and known that you have drank and not eaten right and done whatever, and you're 42. And then to know, see that you're already bleeding, which means something's probably wrong, and have to wait. I had to wait like three weeks, basically, before, luckily, luckily, my body aborted, miscarried by itself. But if that hadn't happened, and I had needed a DNC, in today's society, I couldn't get one, or at least without not being prosecuted with what's going on. Right. I've never had an abortion, but having a miscarriage is I can't I can't explain even when you're not expecting or anticipating the baby so I can't imagine how it feels for someone who planned to get pregnant like if you planned it and you knew you were pregnant and you were excited about this baby that's a whole other scenario we were so it was so unexpected that we didn't even have a chance to be happy really We were kind of hopeful, but not like, you know, it all happened so fast. It was painful. It was, and I, and I told my daughter because she has, you know, depression and whatever. I have never been in such a depressive state in my entire life. Right. I lived about two weeks where I didn't want to get out of bed. Like, or I wanted to get out of bed and I couldn't make myself get out of bed. Yeah. Like, and so when people live with mental illness like that, I don't understand how they function. And people are like, oh, they're just babies. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know I had a lot of hormones and whatever, but besides the physical pain, the bleeding, the physical aspect, the emotional depression was like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. Right. And I wasn't even excited about that baby. Can you imagine somebody who was happy, who was planning, who was excited to be pregnant and then had a miscarriage? Well, like that's the thing. And even if you're not, it doesn't matter, but I mean, it does matter, but you know what I mean? But that's the thing they say too is, especially whenever people do seek abortions is a lot of times those initial visits also go through okay this is a big decision Mm -hmm. you know we're gonna support you in making it but keep in mind postpartum is a thing Mm -hmm. whether whether you are having the baby full term or you are aborting the baby or the baby is miscarried like postpartum Mm-hmm. Is, is very very serious and i know um i had a friend who also uh ended up having an abortion and um afterwards she was it was hard well chemically they're about the same that's right. the thing like 
an abortion and a miscarriage chemically and hormonally are basically the same thing. Right. And which is why medically they're considered the same. Right. One, well, she she had told us she was like, you know, I I don't feel good about it. Like I I don't I don't feel happy about it. I don't I don't it's not something that I'm like I'm I'm relieved, but I'm still Nobody like, feels happy about like, it. I'm I'm like it it carries a weight to it that I think people don't really understand. Um I mean I would equate it to if if you have a loved one who is on life support because let's say they were in an accident and they're never gonna regain consciousness and you know that that's going to happen. So from a relief standpoint, you're letting them go. But from an emotional, hormonal, um, you know, thought standpoint, you're still experiencing a loss. Absolutely. Like they're still gone. And it's like, I, you know, I am not a woman. I will never experience that per se i'm sure if myself and my partner foster and end up adopting them day there will be some like you know rough times where we're not accepted or things like that um but well, i hope as, that never happens you know um hope for the best plan for the worst um but i you know i don't <laughs> think i will ever be able to truly empathize just because I won't ever go through that experience. I can well, sympathize. I, I think the it is a chemical home. thing. Right. Because I have, again, like I said, wasn't, it was a surprise. So we were kind of excited, but also all this other stuff. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm pregnant. We're so excited. We're going to blah, 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 blah it was very skewed or very kind of like messed up from the beginning. Right. But even with all of that, I have never been that depressed in my entire life. Like I fully understood what people who are truly clinically depressed go through every day. Right. And that was like for like two or three weeks of my life. If I had to live that way every day, I can I can empathize with people who are like, I just want to end it all because I've never felt that way. I've never felt that hopeless and that depressed and that just like that black hole. And so I wish that mental illness was understood better and treated with more delicacy because that was just a hormonal response from me. It, could you imagine if somebody who is literally clinically depressed or has a personality disorder or anxiety coupled with that, like how they live every day? I I would want to die if I lived every day like that. Like, right. I'm not going to lie. Well, I mean. The, I couldn't have lasted like that. Like the stigmatization of it, too, where it's. It for a lot of people from an outsider's perspective, it's like, oh, you're broken, right? There is something wrong with you. Oh, and, or you're and, lazy, or you're stupid, or, or you're, or it's your fault. And yeah, it's like, 
no, that's not, that is not real life. It, yeah. like, there are so many, you know, emotions and hormones, and it's mm-hmm. such a complex thing that there's really not as much very clear understanding of it that like for anyone to come at it without treating it with a you know a hefty portion of empathy Mm -hmm. like if you're coming at anybody without empathy who is dealing with that like take a step back well, and that's why I'll I'll tell that story to anybody who will listen because, right. you know, I have a child who has some mental health issues and I've had anxiety for a very long time, but, you know, it, people talk about depression like it's, you know, because I did it my whole life. Oh, I'm really depressed. I'm really sad. To be actually clinically depressed, to be in a state where you cannot function people think it's made up. People think it's like, oh, you're just being a baby. It's not. Right. I mean, again, I think maybe having a miscarriage is a little different. You know, the hormones that go into that, but I would never wish that on anybody. And so when anybody, like not the physical part, yes, that, but just the emotional part. Um, And it wasn't even like I was sitting around going, oh, I lost a baby. I'm so sad. I mean, that was part of it, but it was just like a, a physical, it was like, it was like an invisible weight just dropped on top of your body where you would just like sit there and go, I should get up and go get something to eat, but I can't, I should get up and go get some water, but I can't, oh, I should probably change the TV channel. I just can't. Right. And so people who are depressed and say they're depressed and are on medication and you're like, oh, they're just being babies. You don't understand what they're going through. And I don't wish for people to go through that, but also I'm like, it's real easy to say that it's like being an armchair quarterback. Like you don't know what their body is going through, whether it's from a trauma response or just from a chemical depression standpoint, like, you know, right. I never want to feel that way again in my entire life. Like I, I wanted to die, like not like suicidal, but just like, I could die right now. And yeah. Right. Not and, like I want to go actively kill myself, but you know, meh. Right. well, and that's like, it's, it's mental illness. Even if yeah. it's temporary, it's mental illness, and it's it's interesting because it's it's mental illness is now with more understanding that we have now uh, something like ADHD, where mm-hmm. well with ADHD we'll have ADHD paralysis, where basically they seemingly just from the outsider's perspective just stop doing stuff. Mm -hmm. and from an outsider's perspective a lot of people see it as lazy it's like no Mm -hmm. they are literally they have so much going on in their head right now they cannot do anything Mm -hmm. they are they are and that's real right 
it's that's like what's crazy is that is real they are stuck <laughs> in their heads going through a loop of thoughts mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again to the point where thinking about getting up and getting tasks done it you can't do it yeah and people and, and it's so interesting because i didn't get it before so i understand why people don't get it but then right. having experienced it i'm like you know my husband's like oh you know do you want to get like just for example do you want to go change clothes literally can't make myself get off the couch right like i hear what you're saying i want to do it i physically cannot make myself get up and and again that was not even me being fully excited about this baby so can you imagine the compound stuff being and that's just that scenario but even if you're not in that scenario that kind of depression people feel that every day yeah. for reasons that might not be acceptable to others but it's it is a real physical phenomenon and people don't get that yeah and it bums me out because i i thought i got it like i really did try to empathize with my daughter and i mentally i understood what she from a from a like a a what is the word I'm looking for? I don't know. I understood psychologically like what she was going through, but physically when she would be like, oh, I just don't feel like it. I'd be like, okay, well, come on, you can do it. Right. But when that happened to me, I was like, no, I really can't. Like, like honestly, if I didn't have to get up and go to the bathroom, I wouldn't have. That was literally the only thing I got up for. It it was just like, I don't know how people live like that. And it's so sad that people have to, you right. know? I think I've like, found damn. myself uh, body doubling a lot, um, mm-hmm. especially for my partner, uh, where if things need to get done, I'm just going to be present. I'm just going to be there. I'm just in the room. Yeah. Or, you know, talking anything like that and sometimes that's enough it depends on the person um yeah i think everybody is different and treatment for mental illness should be handled by a professional and (laughs) stuff like that um but i think the stigmatization needs to end and yeah there needs to be greater understanding person literally just mentally not being able to do it not being able to do what seems so mundane Mm -hmm. like the mundanest of tasks literally not being able to mentally do it because i know i there have been weeks where they have absolutely just drained me Mm -hmm. i get home and um, my partner starts to vent about work or vent about mm-hmm. know, stuff and I'm just I have to stop him you see your break I, I do not have the emotional or mental bandwidth right now mm-hmm. the capacity to 
to help with your issue. I I yeah. will be present in the room, but I personally will not be able to, you know, give you that release that you need because <clears throat> I am currently dealing with my own right struggles. Um, just creating a better understanding and really pushing education and you know research into into all of these issues and yeah um because it's the only way it's going to get better yeah definitely teaching people to at least try to empathize even if they don't you know right i mean again my husband's an amazing person and not through any intentional fault but he says a lot of insensitive things but you know i remember during my whole miscarriage situation i i can't remember what i got upset about it 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 was something stupid i will totally preface this that it was probably not a big thing right but i was getting annoyed and he was just like your emotions are off the chart right now and i was like no fucking shit you asshole i just like stormed out of the room and it's just like you know it that's what he would have said to me in a normal scenario not really acknowledging that i was going through something hormonal physical whatever so it wasn't it wasn't intentional but we just get we get complacent with the people that we care about where we don't you know we aren't acutely aware of different things that might be happening which again it's a miscarriage he should have been aware but also he was dealing with his own shit and i'm not i'm not faulting him but it's just you know i wish we could all be more aware and more cognizant of what people are feeling and you know and i think i think that's uh, uh true at any time um and I think that's, I know, I know whenever I get in a situation where I'm frustrated or I've said something upsetting or anything like that, it's for me a matter of taking a step back, reflecting and being like, what did I say? In what way did I say it? Right. I, I know how I am expecting it to be perceived, but how is it actually being perceived? Right. Because I can say, something super simple and something that doesn't mean any insult doesn't you know really mean anything and it be taken poorly and it's it's yeah it is just what is happening then the context the circumstance everything that's going on and yeah as a participant in in a relationship whether it's a romantic relationship or really any relationship yeah um the ability to step back and and reflect and sort of determine my where my part in it was allows me to come back later and be like hey i am sorry i made you feel this way with what i said right Um, i may not understand exactly why it made them feel that way but if it made them feel that way then it's something that needs to be addressed. Yeah. I just feel, unfortunately, that a lot of men are not raised to be that way. 
Very true. And I think that as I, I think as that generations progress, that's changing, but you know, especially for boomers and then even Gen X, we're still, we were still raised in a very patriarchal, you know, right. And, and, and my husband is like that and not through any, uh, purposeful, like not through any, he's not trying to be a dick, I guess is what I I should just say. (laughs) (laughs) He's not like, Oh, you're my wife and you're going to do this. He's not that person, but he was raised in a household where that was how it was. So he is growing up expecting that things will be that way. And so I'm having to educate him and, and be like, you know, I want to do X, Y, and Z for our family, but I expect you to do X, Y, and Z, and we're going to be a partnership. And so I'm hoping that as the next generations come up, it will be more equal. And then, you know, so do what 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 do gender roles play in a in in like your relationship are there gender roles or not really is it more like a i like to do this and you like to do that because um i i guess typically the females are supposed to do x y and z um as far as in my particular relationship gender roles don't really play any part it is more what we like to do i know i like to cook um a bit more often than he does but i do i do like when he cooks are there expectations or is it just you figure it out and you do what you do you just figure it out i know that um he gets a bit squeamish around dirty dishes so i typically do dishes but the trade-off for that is i hate folding laundry and i really kind of hate doing laundry in general so he does a lot of the laundry so it's so is that something you come into the relationship and decide because again for my like a particular like male female relationship it for whatever reason and it's not it may not be okay but it is expected that certain people do this and certain people do that and so you kind of you get married and you assume that this is going to happen but like if I like let's just say I were going to marry a woman I would be like well who's going to do this and who's going to do that and how do we decide like right. I it's interesting to me I oh what it would be like to not be expected to do everything okay I'm sorry <laughs> right um I I mean I think in my current relationship it was very much we just figured it out along the way um yeah it was very much like us doing the things and then me seeing how he reacted doing certain things and then seeing how I reacted doing certain things and us sort of just figuring out along the way. I do think though that I benefited from a bit of a weird uh, childhood so to speak, a bit on its head. Um, So growing up I didn't really have to deal with those like standard gender role yada 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 nonsense just because um my mom was very much the breadwinner for our family um she would drive into downtown she would work she was the one making a majority of the money um for our family while my dad 
he owned a business and he worked, um, but his business allowed him to stay at home. So my dad was really the primary caregiver growing up at home. He would get us ready for school. He would make us lunches. He would cook us dinner a lot of times. Not to say that my mom didn't do any of that too, but um, my dad was a stay-at-home dad. Um, which sort of flips those gender roles on their head. Um, Yeah. Which I, you know, I, I appreciate that experience growing up because I didn't necessarily have to deal with sort of the learned gender roles that people are having to deal with. And I think that is, it's all learned. It's all. But did that affect how you went into a relationship as far as what you thought you quote-unquote should do not really um i mean i think because it was sort of turned on its head um i never thought i like my dad always cooked he he would always make meals i never personally thought that it was my obligation to make meals i think for me i saw him cook and i wanted to learn how to cook so he, yeah. he, you know, taught me some things. My mom taught me how to cook as well. Um, I, you know, would follow recipes and, and sort of teach myself. So it was more or less something that I wanted to do. Um, as far as I think where it gets interesting is the fact that since it was sort of on its head, I knew about you know stay-at-home moms and all that stuff heck i i grew up in rich white suburbs so i saw plenty of stay-at-home moms and and sort of those aspects in the family um but since my upbringing was different i knew from a very very early age that it didn't mean anything like, as so, far as those gender roles, whether they were, you know, how is more heteronormative or sort yeah. of the way I was brought up, um, it, was all, it was all just learned. It was all nonsense that, that people are taught for control and just like, you know. So do you think that's a heterosexual thing? Or because it, let's say there were two two gay males that grew up in a heterosexual parent household, not like yours, but let's say the mom and the dad had the quote unquote traditional gender roles. Would you go into your relationship like how would you go into a relationship if you both grew up in a household thinking that the men were in charge, like or? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how how would you address that? Because I, you know, for me, that's obviously how people my age grew up. And then, right. you know, especially with my husband, he's not, he is not sexist. He is not like, oh, you're my wife and you have to bow down to me it, by anything. But he grew up in a household where his father sat on his ass and did shit and his mom did everything. So, like, when we would go to family functions, you know, I would be expected to help with dinner, 
And then when it would be time to do dishes, I'd go grab him and be like, get your ass in here and help me. And he'd be like, meh. Because that's what he was trained to do by his own father. Right. So when it comes to two men, is it, I mean, I think you have an individual, you have a unique household. Yes. But I, I mean, I can't speak for everybody. Um, Obviously. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, 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 no. You're fine. You're fine. But I, I am certain that there is some amount of weight that that holds for some relationships. I do feel like being queer in some res- in some respect, being LGBT, sort of helps negate some of that weight. Okay. Just because we're we live in a world where sort of that push for strong men and blah 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 blah. Um, yeah, is kind of negated by the same sort of stereotypes for LGBT men, where it's like, oh, sissy, blah 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 blah. So right. it's like it's almost like that sort of expectation. The moment someone is more presenting, kind of pushes in, and they sort of fight each other. They sort of negate each other. So when it comes to relationships, that's why a lot of times in movies and in television and and things like that and stories literally people are like it will come up and be like oh so who who wears the pants who's the who's the man in the relationship right and typically in all those situations and all those medias both the men are just like we both are what like like there's not necessarily an understanding of it just because it doesn't we don't necessarily fit in any way into that context so even though if you're raised in like maybe not you because you're yours is a little different but if you're raised in a the male versus female like in the actual you know stereotype perspective the man goes <laughs> to work the, sorry and the mom or the wife does most of the stuff even if you're not heterosexual, you don't think that doesn't translate into your relationships as far as one person should be. I don't like to use these words, but like the man and the woman, but like right. the the leader or the, because I feel like this is my perspective. If, if you grew up in a household like that and you're two men who grew up in a household like that, how did you ever learn to be that? caring partner that mother wife type figure if if you're raised to understand that the man does this and the woman does that you know what i mean i mean and like i said i i'm certain that there are some sad relationships sad gay relationships where that's like prevalent um but and I'm sorry, I am not trying to be an asshole at all. Like I'm no, really no, asking no. just because no, it's I'd... it's interesting to me because if I let's say I were to be with a woman mm-hmm. and I was raised to be that not even raised to be, but just you get the societal norms of what women are supposed to do and what men are supposed to do. If I were in a relationship with a woman and we're both trying to be the quote unquote mother or wife the primary caregiver it would be weird but as a man i think it would be weirder because you're raised to believe 
even if you are homosexual, you're raised in a household where the man does this and the woman does that. So then you have to go off and be like, well, there is no woman. So what do we do in that situation? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, what, let me sort of send that back. What, going back to if you were in a queer relationship, what would you want to do? as as a person or as a woman or i guess yeah. both i would want I mean, to do as a person i would want to do everything because that's i guess that's who i am i would want to take care of my house i would want to make sure that my kids are cared for i would want to make sure that my spouse i would want to i i don't know because i i again this is a, a feel as a as a woman and especially with the partner that i'm with i would want to be the caretaker of the whole family yeah not I, necessarily financially but from a right i i feel like since that's who you are i don't think it would necessarily be much different i think being with someone whether it would be your current partner or if it were a queer relationship, a woman, you just kind of have to figure it out along the way. And I know, yeah. I know I have learned how to care for myself and others from my family and from previous relationships. Like, heck, I, like I have had failed relationships before where I felt like I was you know, giving, giving this, giving that, giving this, giving that, and not right. necessarily receiving it in return. So it, it has become more of a, okay, I know how much I can give before I need to, I need to receive, I, I need to receive some amount of, whether it's attention or, or care or thoughtfulness or any sort of reciprocation as far as household duties go or anything like right. that. Like it's, it's less a matter of gender roles and more a matter of just like being a good partner in in a yeah. relationship. And not not to say that uh, your husband isn't, but no, like no. like if you if it is your compulsion, if it is your comfort to sort of take up a lot of those more caregiver roles, there's right. there is. There is nothing in the world saying that that is a bad thing. I think right. the only time where it becomes a bad thing is whenever you are doing it to the extent that you're not happy. Yeah. But what if it wasn't your compulsion? Like, let's say, you know, for me, I grew up in a house where my mom does all the laundry. She does all the cooking. And my dad goes to work. And that's what I'm used to. And then... Uh, well, now I feel like I need to reverse it, but <sighs> okay, <laughs> I'm trying to reverse it because we have gender stereotypes, but okay, let's just say my mom did all the housework and my dad went out to work and then I go out and I marry another woman and I am the one that is mostly going to work because I'm the worker, the caregiver 
do I expect her to see? I feel like that's different. Never mind. I'm being. I would say any amount. If of... you grew up in a household where your mom did all the domestic duties and your dad went to work, I, I'm only saying it this way because I feel like it's more a male female thing in, in general. And you go into your relationship and you've only lived with your parents Mm -hmm. where your mom did all the domestic duties. And then you go out and you get a career and you do whatever and you meet a partner and your partner grew up in the exact same scenario. So you're both accomplished whatever career working people, but you've been raised in households where women took care of you. How would you address that is what I'm getting at, I guess. I think. Does that make sense? Um, Yes. I I would say I think for it to actually have some amount of weight, it would require neither person in that situation to have ever lived by themselves. Um, That's true. I guess that's true. Because I think there is a certain amount of you're relearning. you're like debutante so you go straight from your parents house <laughs> to the fraternity house yeah. to the marriage house fully fully um that's you true. know that's true. sold off for a cow and a chicken um <laughs> but like i think there's a certain amount of self-care where like i i have lived by myself for some amount of time yeah and so and there, you're a good man who learned how to do his own laundry. Well, like I literally, I literally. My husband never cleaned a bathroom between his last marriage and before he met me. Then again, <laughs> I've I've cleaned very few bathrooms, but that's that's me not liking. Bathroom it, it's stuff. a dirty job. Um, it's a dirty, dirty job. I, I do my part. I do I do what I'm what I need to. Um, it's not my favorite thing to do, but you know, it's part of having somewhere to live i'm not but everybody has to figure out what they're willing to do and what they're not willing to do and they compromise i mean i mean if i were with a woman she would have to take out the trash right i'll clean the toilet you have to take out the trash that's fine well there you go i think yeah i think that's it really comes down to first off being able to take care of yourself because yeah if if you are this goes out to all the listeners. If you are with a man and they have not lived by themselves ever and they don't know how to clean up after themselves, let them make a mess. Do not but clean But unfortunately, it up. many don't. And that's the thing. And, and I don't know if, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a straight versus gay thing. I think right. it's a, Again, you're younger than me, but I think for me, it's a Gen X thing where our parents still raised us to be the woman does blah, 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 and the right. man does blah, blah, blah. So I, I, again, I think as we progress in society, that'll be different. But for me, it's in my generation, it's like my husband wasn't raised how to clean toilets. He didn't have to do that shit. He wasn't right. raised how to, you know, whatever, because his mom did all that stuff and his dad did blah 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 even though his mom still worked so i think 
you know, when you're raised like that, it's a little different because you don't know how to, whether you're gay or straight or whatever, you're like, oh, my mom did this, my dad did this, and then you have to go do your own thing. So I think it'll be better, but. I think, I think it will be. I know I, I was watching a TikTok video that I thought was really, really funny. Um, this, this girl was getting pissed off at her boyfriend because, uh, she was cooking and cleaning and doing all this stuff and she would ask him to do stuff and he didn't want to do it. So she was under the impression that whenever he would do stuff, he would actively do it wrong. So she wouldn't ask him to do it again. And it became I think apparent. That's a real thing. Oh yeah. No, one hundred percent it was because she <laughs> she started being okay with it. On purpose. Like she was like, Okay, you you wanna you wanna do this this way? Let's do it this mm-hmm. way. And things started to catch up to her. And mm-hmm. things you know, I think I think one one of the things was that uh, he would load the dishwasher, but he would put the cups facing up, so they would fill <gasps> with yes, they would fill with nasty water. Um, so it's awful, it's awful. So they were having For those dinner. who can't see, we're cringing right now. <laughs> it's disgusting. Do never mm. like don't ever do that. That's it's gross. Mm. Um, literally, she would. He, she made a meal. She served it, and he asked for a cup. So she pulled one out of the dishwasher, poured it into the sink, poured whatever drink he wanted straight into it, and handed it to him. And he was like, "That's, that's disgusting. Can you rinse it out first? And she was like, uh, "I'm sure it's fine. I mean, you put it in the dishwasher that way. It it must be clean, right? <laughs> like, like, uh, my and." My partner is hilarious for this. Um, it is uh, aggressive compliance, where you literally do you slam everything into the dishwasher and slam the door shut. <laughs> that would be funny, but you literally you you do things the exact way people ask you to do them, even when you know it's wrong, even when you know. It's not the right way to do things, even when you know it's probably going to cause issues later. That's what I should start doing. You still do it because that way, whenever it does cause an issue, you just say, Their fault. Oh, I'm sorry. You, I was just doing it how you told me to. Mm-hmm. That's the story of my life. I should start doing that. Like, and that way, if if anything happens, it's like, I was just following your orders. You told me to do it this way. <laughs> and so that's I went on strike did. once. That's awesome. That's nice. I did go on strike once. And then uh, I, I was like, I'm not doing shit. You guys can suck it up. Like, yeah. dishes dirty. Don't come talk to me. You need dinner? Don't come talk to me. Right. I'm busy. <laughs> um, there was so... There were a few years ago, my mom, so my mom had breast cancer and she had to have a double mastectomy. So I went to go stay with her. And so my husband was here alone with my daughter, who was probably like, I don't know, maybe 12 at the time. It was for about a week. And I just was like, 
I felt a little bad, but I also kind of was just like, huh? <laughs> when he was like, how do I do this? And what's going on with this? And why did she need this for school? And I was like, I left you a list, fool. Deal with it. <laughs> I would treat it like I treat students at my work. I'd just be like, YouTube it. Yeah. You want to know how to back fill to your syllabus? Like, you want to know how to fill the dishwasher? YouTube it. Like, yeah. So just, just find a video on YouTube. Like, if it's that big of an issue. But to be fair, my husband does it all wrong. So right. I understand that sentiment. I'm like, well, my thing is he fills the dishwasher like there's not double the amount of space he's using. Mm. And I'm like, how much water do you waste? How much, like, like, no, you can fit like twice the amount of dishes in there. <laughs> right. If our dishwasher works. be glad he's doing the dishes. Well, there you go. Yes. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me. I know we didn't really talk about the topic all that much. <laughs> but, hey, yeah. you know, um, Texas. Texas! Woo! uh it's it's better left unsaid <laughs> yes everything about texas isn't it when it comes to texas it's all better left unsaid right so we um, don't spike our blood pressure oh my gosh my blood pressure mm -hmm. one day one day um do you have social media i do um i am on twitter at list underscore sip and Facebook, the Sipless Pod, and same on Instagram. Um, I have a website, SipplessPodcast.com. So check it out. Please do. The Sipless is um, so much fun. It is such a fun uh, show to listen to and be a part of. Um, but yes, um, if y'all want to follow Better Left Unsaid on any sort of social media, you can find us on Instagram at BL underscore unsaid. You can find us on Twitter at BL unsaid podcast. And you can find us uh, via email you, if you want to leave us a review or, uh, you know, preferably leave five stars, you know, leave a little. Yeah, comment, no hate mail. Something thankful. Um, enjoy us. You can leave all of that stuff on Apple Podcasts or anything like that. But if you do want to leave a one-star review because you're a hater, I like you, but um, you can send it directly to us via email. Just send one big one-star, okay? Send it directly via email to blunsaid.podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Okay. Don't waste your time leaving it in the reviews. I'm not going to see it. Yeah. Okay. Send it Nobody looks email. at Apple Podcasts. Right. Come on. Nobody Get looks at Spotify. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, send it directly to us. If you have any embarrassing stories that you wish to share, I will read them on the show. I promise the moment we start getting some. <laughs> yes. Um, Please, if it's more embarrassing than the Rabbi Amish thing, Please send it in because I'm dying over here. <laughs> Please send your embarrassing stories in. If you have topic suggestions, you can send them in as well to our email. Thank you for joining us. Good night.